Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. The title of my message is this, Pay Attention. Now, I know you hate it when I do this. Some of you hate it when I do this. But turn to the person to your left right now and say, pay attention. Turn to the other person to your right and say, especially you. (laughs) Yeah. Or or look around. You know the person I'm talking about who needs to what? (laughs) Pay attention. Yeah. This is a phrase that I heard all through high school, and it's one that I never paid much attention to. Uh, (laughs) This thing about paying attention. Uh, But uh, I want you to stand to your feet with me. And I'm going to read a passage from the book of Hebrews. This is from Hebrews chapter 1. It's going to spill over into chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to read this passage. It's lengthy, but I want you to track with me. Let me just be consistent today. I want you to pay attention, okay? Careful attention to what I'm about to read. So Hebrews chapter 1. Are y'all going to track with me? Y'all going to pay attention? Pinky promise? All right, let's do it together. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning here in verse 1. The writer says this, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. Listen to this language. This is powerful. He, that is the Son, He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Whoa, we could just worship right there, couldn't we? He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Verse 5, To which of the angels did God ever say, You are My Son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to Him a father. Or, or, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers, his ministers flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will, say it with me, you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe, you will roll them up like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same. How many of y'all are happy about that? He's the same, but you're the same. And your years have no end. And he continues, And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they, that is the angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? That's you and me. Chapter 2, a couple verses here. Therefore, we must pay much closer, what? attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Let's pray. We're going to need some help. Father, I pray today that you would help us by Your Spirit, to pay very, very close attention to the Word of God today. To lean in and to learn like never before. Lord, thank You for all the learning we've done before, all the messages that have come before. The Holy Spirit, I'm praying that You would help us today. Can we lift our hands right now? Holy Spirit, we yield to You. We need You to come in a powerful, fresh way to illuminate our understanding, to give us revelation that leads to our transformation. And ultimately, Jesus, Son of God, we want to know You better. We want to love You more deeply, to, to know You more fully 
And God, I pray today by the power of the Spirit that you would help us to that end. We pray these things today. We pray for breakthrough today. We pray for understanding today. And we pray these things in the powerful, awesome name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Now give Jesus a lot of praise because we just read some praiseworthy things. Come on, give Him more praise today. Jesus, we worship You. You are our hero. Come on, give Him some more. We worship You, God. We worship You, King of glory. Come on, give Him more. We worship You, God. We worship You, Lord. Some of you are behind in your praise. Get caught up right now. Come on. We worship. We praise You, Jesus. Oh, King of heaven, You're greater than the angels, greater than Moses, greater than every earthly king. We worship You today. And we give You all the praise. And everybody say it one more time. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all go ahead. And have a seat before revival breaks out. <laughs> and that's a good thing. Hopefully it will here soon. But um, I want to give you a little bit of background to what we just read. Because that was a mouthful, wasn't it? It was a mouthful. There's a lot going on in this opening chapter and then even into chapter 2. Um, but, but just FYI, if you didn't know, the book of Hebrews is often referred to as the book of better things. It's the book of better things. It was written approximately uh, three and a half decades after the time of Christ. And this book was addressed uh, to a predominantly, listen carefully, pay, pay careful attention to this, a predominantly Jewish Christian audience. Okay, Jews who believed that Jesus was the Messiah, Jews who became what we call Christians. Okay, And so the author addresses this this audience, this largely Jewish Christian audience, and he writes to them to remind them that they have passed from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. We say it this way, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the Old Covenant to the New, from Moses to Jesus, from the lesser to the, let's do that again, from the lesser to the, to the greater. And so as you read through the book of Hebrews, like this is the trajectory. In the first chapter, we read about the angels. And the point that the writer is trying to make to let all the world know, especially Jehovah's Witnesses, is that Jesus is not an angel. He is higher than all the angels. He is the Son of God. Jesus is God. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is the Son of God, the eternal Son, who always has been. How many of y'all know the Logos? The Son always has been. He always will be. But the Word became flesh, of course. Flesh, and He dwelt among us. And so the writer in this first chapter is just line after line after line taking us from the lesser to the the greater, to Jesus. That's what He's doing, and he does this through the book, and I'm going to unpack what this means in more detail here shortly, but essentially we're going from the Old Covenant to the New, from Moses to Jesus. Let's get real specific here. From the message declared by angels, meaning the law, check out Deuteronomy 33.3 if I'm not mistaken, Uh, from this message declared by angels at Sinai to the message declared through Jesus and the apostles in the New. Does that make sense? So we're talking about the book of better, better what? Things, okay? Lesser to the greater. So we, like they, we're, we're, in, we're in a better covenant. How many of y'all are excited we're not in the old covenant any longer? We don't have to sacrifice, sacrifice bulls and goats and lambs. Some of y'all, there's not enough property in Acadiana to accommodate all the animal sacrifices for your sins. And how many of y'all know the blood of bulls and goats can never atone and take away your sin? That's why you have Jesus the Lamb who was slain for you. So you don't have to go find a sacrifice. You have a sacrifice. His name is Jesus. That's another message. Are y'all with me? Are y'all happy about that today? That your sins are forgiven? Because you live in a better covenant provided by the Lamb. Now watch this. I'm teaching y'all. I'm setting this up. And we're going to go boom here in a minute. Watch this. Because of religious persecution from other Jews, some of these Jewish Christian believers were being tempted to drift back into the old covenant. Okay? Because there was pressure on them. 
Because these believers, they look to Jesus as the Messiah. There was pressure around them for them to abandon that belief, to go back to the old covenant, because there it was safe. Because there they wouldn't receive the, the, the persecution that they were receiving. They were tempted to drift to a place of comfort, to a place of complacency to the status quo to go back to that place and rest in that place because it was safe. And so the writer here in so many words, in so many ways, he basically says, don't do that. Don't drift. And the language here is, we must pay much closer, what? Attention. Because here's the logic. If people were punished because they disobeyed the message declared in the Old Covenant, then there is no escape for those who permanently drift from the message declared in the New Covenant. So if you were punished for disobedience and unbelief in the Old, well, listen, there's no chance. If we're moving from the lesser to the the greater, then there's no hope for you if you drift from the message declared in the... Are y'all with me? This is good stuff. In the new covenant. So there's a warning. There's a warning here issued by this author. And he's basically saying this. Two things. Pay careful, closer attention. Don't you dare drift. Don't you dare drift. How many of y'all know we're in a better covenant? We're in the best covenant. If you are in Christ today, and Christ is in you, if you're born again, you have all the promises of God that are yes and amen. You will not find the promises of God through any other person, through any other Messiah. They are all found in Him. In Him. In Him we have access to Him that is the Father. In Jesus we have access to every blessing that can ever be mentioned, ever be named, which they're all beyond our wildest imaginations, but I'm ready to receive them all. How about y'all? Alright. So here the author is saying, you got it. Don't drift from it. And I cannot think of a more relevant message to preach to the church today. Because I see people drifting all the time. And how many of y'all know that's the natural tendency, the natural proclivity of the flesh to drift? I'm going to say it this way. Drifting from God is inevitable if you are not paying close attention to your relationship with God. Does that make sense? Y'all feel that? You ever experienced that? Let me say it again. Drifting from God is inevitable if you are not, if we are not, if I am not paying close attention to our, to my relationship with God. So it's like this. If you get on a float or in a boat in the ocean or on, on the lake, listen, if there is a current there will be movement unless you are anchored. Let me say it again. If you get in a, in a boat or on a float, if there is a current, there will be what? Movement unless what? Unless you drop your anchor. Unless you are anchored. And, and what I see today is that, listen, just like on a, on a boat or on a float, if you close your eyes for just a minute, I, I shared this weeks ago. I was uh, on vacation with my family. I went out in the ocean and I got on a float to enjoy some uh, just quiet time away from my kids. Just a few minutes. Just a few minutes. How many of you know a few minutes goes a long way when you got four kids? And, and I closed my eyes and I was out and the current pushed me uh, a significant distance in just a few moments while my eyes were closed. I opened my eyes and I looked back. I'm like, dear Lord, I have drifted a long way in a short amount of time. And how many of y'all know there is a current in this world at work not to push you to Christ, but to sweep you and to push you away from Christ. And it is easy when we take a little break 
from the Lord, take a little break from church, when we take a little break from the Word, when we take a little break and close our eyes in the Spirit from prayer, how many of y'all know it's easy to drift? As a matter of fact, it just takes just a few minutes of resting. And my, my, my grandmother used to say, Scott, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go take a nap. I'm going to close my eyes. She said, I'm going to rest my eyes. How many of y'all know, if we rest our eyes, and if we're not paying close attention to where we are, that we will drift a long way in a short amount of time because the current of this world is very, very strong. Are y'all tracking? People say, well, I'm going to take a break. Pastor God, I just need a break. I need a break from serving. And I'll say, I get it. I get it. Some of you have been serving a long time. You probably need a little bit of just, just, a, just a short break. But listen carefully. We rest in the Lord. We should not rest from the Lord. And there's a huge difference. We rest in Him, not from Him, and not from the people that He died for. Pastor God, I just need a break. Well, it depends on what you mean by that. Some of you, probably. Pastor God, I need, I just, I need a break. We come to church, man, just busy. Life is busy. Like kids all over. I mean, the Sunday come pit, just busy. I need, I need a break. Pastor God, I haven't seen you. I love Midtown, and I'm, I know I'm preaching the choir because you're here, but people say, you know, I miss church, man. I'm, I'm so busy. I'm all around, and I just need a little break. In almost every case when someone says that to me, those who have taken a break are not close to the Lord. They're not serving the Lord. They think they're getting refreshed by taking that break from Jesus and from the church, but in reality, they don't even realize that they are drifting further and further from the Lord and the people Jesus died for. Pastor Scott, I'm going to just take a little break. Or maybe they don't say it out loud. They say to themselves, I'm just going to take a break from prayer. I'm just going to take a break from reading the Word. You know, I was in a small group for a long time. And I'm just kind of tired. I just need, I just need a break. Some of y'all know bad Chad Broussard. Are you here, Chad? Bad Chad? Chad, stand up. Turn around. Let everybody in the back look at you. Everybody, don't mess with this guy. Hey, he's a... A boxer ripped up. How old are you, Chad? So don't, don't mess with Chad. And I, and I texted Chad yesterday to ask permission to share what I'm about to share. So some of you are like, I can't believe he's saying all this. Listen, I will always ask you permission to share your story by name. And I've got a bunch of stories from y'all. But I, call, I texted Chad. I said, is it okay if I share the story that you shared with me a couple months ago? He said, man, go for it. And so there, there's a lot to say, but, but Chad has been arrested 60, you said 60 to 70 times. I mean, what is it? Did you keep up? Let's, let's go, let's go let's 60. How many of y'all know? It doesn't matter. That's a lot. Uh, and this was not recently, just to clarify. This was BC before Christ. Okay, you have to clarify these things. Now some of you, well, anyway. Gone to prison a number of times. And Chad shared this story at Reds. We were, I was taking a little break and ran into him, and he's always just fired up about something. He's always fired up about Jesus. And he shared this story with me. He said, he said years ago, this was after he became a Christian, that, that there was some gal that he knew that invited him to go to the bar to get a drink. Now, before he got saved, he would have said, let's do it. And of course, this was before he, he met his wife. But he, he, if, he, if he weren't saved, he, I'm sure he would have said, let, let, let's do it. Let's go. But this gal asked him to go to the bar to get a drink. And, and Chad, Chad said this to her. And he's just being very honest. He said, listen, if I go to the bar with you to get a drink, then I'm going to have a drink. But then I'm going to have another drink. And I'm going to have another drink. And this is what he told her. And then I'm going to end up going home with you. I don't have to say anything more. I'm going to end up going home with you. And then, then in the middle of the night when you're asleep, I'm going to steal your cash, your credit cards, and your car, and you're going to wake up the next day broke. <laughs> How many of you know she said, never mind? <laughs> Maybe some coffee. I don't know what she said. You say, Pesco, why are you telling me that? Because as he shared the story, I'm like, Chad, do you understand? There's a whole sermon in that. 
See, see, Chad knew that all it took was one drink to start the drift. One drink for some of you will put into motion a drift back into the very things that Jesus died to set you free from. One drink for some of you. I'm not saying for all. You know who you are. One drink. One look. One word. How many of y'all know if you're not paying careful attention to the decisions you make, it is easy to drift back into the life that Jesus died to set you free from. And as he shared the story, I'm like, man, this, this is a whole message. I could do a whole series on this. Chad, thank you for paying careful attention to the great salvation God has given you. For paying attention, for not giving in to the temptation, for sitting where you are today as bad Chad in the spirit. You're bad because Jesus lives in you. You're bad because you love God. You're a real man because real men love Jesus. Come on, y'all, give it up for Jesus in Chad. And he's not perfect. We know I could tell you all kinds of stories about after his conversion. But listen, he's a new man. Come on, y'all. He's a new man. You're a new man, man. You're new women. Come on, y'all know God makes us into brand new creations. And new creations get to do new things. So why, devil, why would I drift back into the death, into the hell, to the Egypt that the Lamb set me free from? How many of y'all know we have to pay careful attention to that? To pay careful attention to that. One drink, one look, one wrong decision can put into motion drifting that may not seem like a big deal, the first decision, but how many of y'all know the short drift ends up being a long drift if you keep that trajectory, if you keep that course? It might not be that dramatic for you as I tell that story. But for most of us, it happens little by little. The short distance eventually turns into a long distance. And then one day you find that you have drifted miles from where you were and you find yourself lost at sea. And this happens when we don't pay attention. Listen to what my favorite New Testament scholar, D.A. Carson, says about this issue. Pay careful attention. He says this, apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate toward godliness. Prayer, obedience to Scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. He says this, We drift toward compromise and call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience and call it freedom. We drift toward superstition and call it faith. We cherish, oh, this is powerful. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide toward godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. That last sentence, that last phrase characterizes the current generation. We slide toward godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. Don't put that Bible stuff on me. Don't put that conviction stuff on me. I've been liberated from all of that. How many of y'all know liberation to sin is bondage? It is bondage. And we know it from the scriptures. And come on, y'all, we know it from our own experience, don't we? In one way or another. Let me ask you a question. Are you paying attention to your spiritual condition. Careful, close attention to where you are. Some of the people addressed in the book of Hebrews weren't. And that's why he wrote. So, for example, in chapters 1 and 2, the author talks about angels. In chapter 3, he talks about Moses. In chapter 4, he talks about Jesus, uh, our high priest, And then listen to what he says in chapter 5. Pay pay careful attention here. He says this, beginning in verse 1. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. To offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. 
Because of this, he is obligated, that is the high priest, to offer sacrifices for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. Listen carefully. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but he was appointed by him who said, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of, you say it, you're like, I can't, Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication, supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Verse nine, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God, a high priest after the order of Now, what did I just read? I mean, this is some deep stuff, huh? Like some of y'all, you like tuned out the moment I said Melchizedek. Okay. Pastor Scott, just can't you make it practical? Stick with me. But this isn't me. This is the author of Holy Scripture. Some deep stuff. Gifts, sacrifices for sins, the high priest, Melchizedek. And then then listen to what he goes on to say. Verse 11, about this, we have much to say. Sounds like me. But listen to what he says. And it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Here's the big phrase. If you have your Bible, please just circle this next phrase. Highlight it. Do whatever. Take a screenshot. Take your camera. Get it. Here it comes. Verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be what? By this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk. You need, let me add, skim milk. Not a Ruth Chris ribeye. Not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a white A child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Are you picking up what he's laying down? The author is rebuking his audience by saying, by this time. See, the author knows that some of them have been saved for a good while. And he assumes that by this point, that they have matured enough, that they had paid careful attention enough for him to go on and on and on about Melchizedek and they would get it. Now, it's funny because he rebukes them, but then goes on to talk even more about the deep things of God. But by this time, like he's assuming that they should have been further along. Now, we use this phrase pretty frequently, don't we? By this time, like, how about this? If you're sitting in traffic on Kali Kaboom, (laughs) and there's another wreck or another whatever, you sit there for a few minutes, you're like, okay, I've got five minutes to sit here. It's backed up. Something's going to happen. Okay, it's going to free up. We're going to move. How many of y'all get tested in traffic on a regular basis? (laughs) I do every day. Pastor Scott, where do you get tested? On ambassador. <laughs> you get stuck in traffic, it's okay for a few minutes, but then after, you know, five, ten minutes or whatever, you, you, what do you say to yourself if not out loud? By this time, traffic should have moved. Or, or you, you, you order something online. Thank you, COVID. And then it takes six years to get here. Even though it was only two years ago. You understand what I'm saying. Okay, you, if it's slow, blame it on COVID, right? You should have been here by now. And what do you say? By this time. Oh, how about this one? Single people. I can't help myself. You've been waiting on the Lord a solid 24 hours. You know, I've been serving Jesus since yesterday. By this time. 
Some of you have been waiting a long time, and I have sympathy for you. I'm, I'm with you. Surely the Lord, I mean, God, are you going to answer? I mean, you've heard my prayers, but by this time, Lord. Oh, how about, oh, how about this one? Some of you, Pastor Scott, you've been preaching 50 minutes. By this time, you should have wrapped things up. <laughs> Let me say to you, if you've been around any length of time, by this time, you should know I'll be done when I'm done. <laughs> you know, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. And so uh, anyway, there are five campuses. Uh, God bless us all. <laughs> By this time, you should know that I'm going to preach on people like Melchizedek and things of that nature. But embedded in this phrase is a word, a key word. It's not literally in the phrase, but conceptually it is. And it's the word expectations. And we all have them, don't we? We all have them. They're not always reasonable. They're not always righteous, but we all have them. This is true in our own lives. This is true of us. And how many of y'all know it's also true of God? That God has great expectations for us. He wants us to grow. He wants us to become more mature. The audience that he's addressing, somehow, some way, along the way, of course, they're in the right covenant. They're in the right place covenantally. They believe in Jesus. But somewhere along the way, they drifted. Somewhere along the way, they called a timeout. But the game kept going. While others were growing in other churches, many within this congregation stopped growing. Their spiritual maturity was stunted. Now let me, let, me, let me say this to you. That's exactly what the devil wants. That is exactly what he wants. And I'm not thinking about anybody here in particular, but I know all, all of us together, our tendency, our proclivity, the natural tendency of the flesh is to want to rest. And in resting, we drift. As we rest from the Lord, we drift from the Lord. And I'm thinking not about all the horrible consequences that the author talks about, and they're there. I'm thinking in these terms, and this is a consequence, I'm missing what God has for me along the way. I'm missing deeper revelation along the way. I'm missing, I'm missing the opportunities to get to know Jesus better. I'm missing these opportunities. Listen, when people say, Pastor Scott, like you've got this PhD, you're an expert. Listen, I'm an expert in, in this, like this. One narrow aspect of the Word of God. Listen to me carefully. There are no experts in the whole Word of God. Listen, there can be 50 billion PhDs performed. No one is going to exhaust the depth and the riches of the Word of God. We are in this together, and we have enormous opportunities to grow together. And so I'm not just thinking about, well, you're going to drift to hell. If you continue to drift away from Christ, you will end up there. So take the warning, but okay, let's get that. And then, okay, Lord, but, but I don't want to drift away and miss what you have for me now. Not just heaven to come, but heaven now. Not just the promises to come, but the promises now. And the author is saying, y'all, you got to pay very, very close attention to your walk to your spiritual condition because you become dull of hearing. I want to go deeper. I want to go deeper, but I, I can't do it the way I want to do it because you've zoned out. You're taking this break. And the way it works is the moment you get saved, the clock starts ticking. Did you know that? Oh, some of us, we think, well, I raised my hand. Going to heaven. And I'm like... If you really repented of your sins and you're trusting Jesus, not just that you trusted, but you are trusting Jesus, your ultimate destination is with Him forever. And y'all know Christianity is not just about us going to heaven, but in the end, heaven's going to come here. I'm about to preach that like a man from another planet here in September. 
But listen, but it's not just about raising the hand or checking off the religious duty for the week. I grew up in a, in a, in a, in a context, I grew up in a context in, in Nashville, Tennessee, where you just check off the boxes. You get baptized, you take communion every week, you go, through, you go through all the rituals and you check it off and then you're like, I'm good. God help us. May we never get to the point where we think, I'm good. You are perfectly righteous in Jesus. Hallelujah. You're declared righteous, but for the rest of your life, by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God and with the help of the people of God, He's making you righteous. We become righteous. We become who He says we are. Are y'all with me? And so the moment you get born again, the clock starts ticking and God has an expectation on you and on me. There are expectations there. And, and here's the way it works. I have four children and a dog. So there are seven of us in the house. Uh, I have expectations of my children. I have expected, they have expectations of me. But how many of y'all know, I expect a whole, I expect more from a 15 year old than I do from my five year old. I expect more from my 15-year-old than I do from my 11-year-old. I expect more from my oldest than I do from the youngest. But how many of y'all know I have expectations for them all? And so here you are Sunday morning. If you really repent, you give your heart to Jesus. You surrender to Him. You place your faith in Him. You're trusted in Him. Right there, you're justified. Right there, we say it, you're saved. But right there, you just, you're like the mama giving birth. You just come out of this world and you can be 50, 60 and have all kinds of worldly wisdom and know a lot of things about the world. But if you just got born again at 50 or 60, you are a spiritual infant. Does that make sense? So this is like the birthing room. Don't think too much about that. But you're conceived and boom, you're, you're born again here or wherever. And then God, from that moment... Places an expectation on each and every one of us to grow up into the Lord so that eventually in weeks and months and years to come, He can talk to us about Melchizedek (laughs) and much more. So the question is, how do we avoid drifting? How do we stay strong, get strong and grow? Let me give you two things, and then we'll be done. Some of y'all don't believe that. I've just got two things, and we'll be done. Let me give you two. There are many. I can do a, a six-month series on this. Let me give you two. Number one, take, if you're taking notes, since you're taking notes, write this down. By paying close attention to the right message. By paying close attention to the right message. That means... You're paying close attention to the Word of God. I've said this before. Let me say it again. This was right as we, we, we broke from quarantine. We came back that summer, officially in, in September 2020. And I was preaching real good. At least I thought I was. But one old man didn't think I was. He fell asleep in the service. I mean, it just passed out. And listen, I may be a lot of things, but I'm not boring. But this brother was seeking the Lord in dreams and visions while I'm up talking about eternal things. If you see anybody asleep right now, help them out in the Lord. Listen, that's a metaphor. That's a picture of many people in the church today. When I get up today, I promise you, when I get up on Sundays, I don't just get up here and throw up stuff, my own little one-liners and my opinions and hope they stick and help you. I'm not here to give TED Talks, though. Some of those are really awesome. I'm not here to give motivational speeches, though. There are times we need that. But when we get them, they should be from the Word of God. And I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. My commitment to you, I might not be the best pastor, the brightest pastor, the boldest pastor, but my commitment to you is to preach the Word of God because that is what you need to grow. So we can grow. So we can grow together. And I preach it to myself before I preach it to you every Sunday. God, what what in this is for me before I give it to them. And he's always got a list. And the list is usually in the, comes out in the points that I give you. How many of y'all know we all need help? We do. 
Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If you're taking notes, write this down. You will not grow in your relationship with God if you are not committed to learning the word of God. It is impossible to grow in God apart from his word. If you want to be like Jesus, how many of y'all know? You got to know what Jesus says. And you got to believe what he says. You got to pay careful attention to the word, to hear it, and to obey it. Kind of like when uh, <laughs> I've officiated many weddings and performed you know, many funerals over the years. I've lost count. I don't even know how many. But um, I've gotten to know the area pretty well after being here 10 years. But sometimes, like, if I'm going somewhere, if I have an appointment to a place I've never been to before, and I've got plenty of time, I'll put the address in, my Maps app, and I'll put my phone there, and the, the little lady on the deal, she'll speak to me and say, turn right, turn left. It sounds like Kelly every time. It's like my wife telling me where to turn. And, and, and I listen because I want to get to my destination in, a <laughs> in, in, in the right amount of time. But I, I put in an address before because I wasn't paying close attention. I missed a turn or three. <laughs> the lady's speaking, telling me to turn. But because I'm not paying careful attention, I missed the turn. Y'all ever done that? But if I'm coming up to perform, to officiate your wedding, and I'm thinking about the destination, lots of people waiting on me, it's an important event, it's a funeral, it's whatever. I put in the address, if I've never been there before, I put in the address, and as I'm driving, I'm paying very careful attention to every word that I hear, lest I miss a turn and get off course. How many of y'all know, God is speaking today. How can I hear the voice of God? Get up in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, open your Bible and read His Word. And if you read it out loud, you'll hear His voice. And you have to not only read it, but pay careful attention to it. And when God says, turn left, how many of y'all know it's wise to turn left? And when He says, turn right, we got to turn right. When God says, if you continue drifting, the bridge is out and you're going to end in disaster. How many of y'all know we should pay careful attention to that voice? Lest we drift. We got to pay close attention to the destination. God, I don't want to miss your will for my life. I teach the word here every Sunday, or at least most Sundays. Pastor David comes up, preaches the word. Thank y'all for being here on Sundays. Thank you for coming to pay careful attention. Like I feel, let me just be honest, I feel, I discern. Y'all are a special bunch. And I'm not saying my preaching is better than anybody's. I never would, would I ever claim that. But I come and I give you the word. And it's challenging. And I'm so proud of y'all that you keep coming back for more. Because some people just can't handle the truth. Behold, Jesus, a church who can handle the truth. I'm proud of y'all. I'm proud of y'all. And at our other campuses, same thing. Thank you, Jesus. You're building your church. I'm not. It'd be a mess if I built it. Jesus said, I'll build my church. And he's building disciples here one at a time. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank you for your faithfulness. Oh, and I know some things are challenging. I get it. I'm challenged every day by the word of God. But listen to me. If it doesn't challenge you, then it probably won't change you. 
so find where you are challenged and believe that as the Word of God is shared, that that challenging Word will change you and conform you into the image of God so you will grow from an infant, spiritual infant, into a full-grown man or a full-grown woman of God. But it takes you embracing that challenge. So you got to pay careful attention to the right message, to the Word of God. Listen, today we're about to launch a new semester of discipleship groups. We're going to have them up here in a minute. You're going to see what they are. I want to challenge you. Please get in a discipleship group. I'm going to preach the Word on Sundays, but you need to get in a group. In the you know, Look at the rest of the week. Look at the schedule. Find a group. If they meet at lunchtime, if they meet at the end of the day, get with some other like-minded believers who are dedicated to the Word of God and watch, watch the growth take place in your life. Number two, and then we're done. How do you grow? How do you stay strong? How do you keep from, grip, from drifting? First of all, you got to pay close attention to the right message. Number two, you got to pay close attention to the right voices. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort or encourage one another every day as long as it's called, you say it, Today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ. We have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. How many of y'all know relationships really do matter? Who's in your inner circle really does? It really does matter. The people around you speaking into your life, man, that matters. Let me ask you, who do you have in your circle who is encouraging you daily? The writer says to do it daily as long as it's called today. What day is it? What day is it? So you have to be around people who can encourage you as long as it's today, every day, to encourage you. But in order to be encouraged, you've got to be close enough to people to hear those words of encouragement. Here in our church, we, we use the, the MOG, man of God, all the time in terms of texting other men. I'll text a man, man of God, MOG. And if you don't know somebody's name, man, just call them an MOG, man of God. And listen, listen, some, some people, some men aren't men of God. They're just not. If you look at their lives and they can say the MOG, hey, man of God, hey, man of God. But listen, our heart is to call people what Jesus wants them to become. So listen, man, if you're not presently a man of God, we are going to call the things that are not as though they are. We're going to encourage you daily so that you will not be deceived by the deceitfulness of sin. We need one another in our lives. Encouraging one another. Not overlooking sin. Calling one another out, but also calling one another up. Come on, man. Why are you drifting? Where are you going? Going back to Egypt? There's nothing for you in Egypt. Mary, man, where are you going? Single dudes, where are you going? Come on, y'all. We got all the promises of God right here in covenant with Jesus. Why are you looking at that porn? It's going to kill you. Why are you talking that way? Why are you acting that way? Jesus loves you. He died to break that curse and to set you free. How many of y'all know we need that in our lives? Ladies, you too. Women to call you out in love and to call you up. Woman of God, by this time, you shouldn't talk like that. By this time, you shouldn't be gossiping. Ooh, oh boy, the more you know, the more trouble you get in when you don't do what you know you should do. <laughs> I'm leaving. He goes on to say this, and I'll leave you with this. Hebrews 10, 23-25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is what? Is faithful. 
And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. I love this. Exhorting one another, stirring up one another, not neglecting to meet together. All of this points to the importance of everything that COVID tried to destroy. He says, verse 25, not neglecting to meet together. Come on, y'all, we're back. The church is back. You're back. But some people are still out. And listen to me carefully. There are still Christians in this community who even call our Savior's church their home. Who They may not say it out loud, but they're thinking this. I don't need church. I don't need a discipleship group. I can do it on my own. And if they don't say it, many are proving it by not being in a group, by not coming to church. And it's been said a million times. Let me say it one more time. The only thing that you can do successfully on your own as a Christian is fail. Did you know that Jesus hasn't asked you to do it alone? Do y'all know that? He's asked us to link up, to grab arms and hands with believers all around us. The writer says, let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Come on, y'all. We're running the race together. You need me and I need you. We need one another if we're going to anchor ourselves in the storm and run the race and finish the race that Jesus has marked out for us. We need one another. So let me ask you a question. Are you ready to grow? Are you ready to go to the next level? Come on, church. I'm your pastor, and I'm appealing to you, already proud of you, saying, come on, y'all, let's go to the next level. Let's get connected. Get in a discipleship group today. And I want to invite the leaders up here now. Come on up here, guys. Welcome them as they come. Let me do this real briefly. Come on up here, y'all. These are some of the, the leaders we have. Listen, we've got over 30 groups that are about to start. We got men's ministry. We got students. Where are the students? You're a student. Okay, student. Freedom. Come on. Some of y'all need to get the heck out of Egypt. Get in a freedom group. We got we got women's groups. We got prayer groups. Mr. Britson, you thank y'all for literally decades of your lives praying for us. Y'all have thwarted so many attacks. Y'all have called down so many blessings. Y'all have been so faithful to intercede and to pray. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. But the Lord doesn't want to just raise up just a Brett and Sonny. He wants to raise up many who will pray and intercede. Prayer warriors. We got prayer groups. And we have others. We have Pastor Davis at over 30-something groups total. Listen, all of these smiling, pretty faces. Well, some of them are pretty. Oh. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. They're all going to handsome and pretty. They're going to be in the foyer. They're going to actually, why don't y'all go now? Let's go to the foyer. They're going to be in the foyer. We're going to have tables set up. Listen to me. Don't you leave today without signing up for a group. Come on, y'all go ahead now. Give them a round of applause as they go. Go ahead. There are many. Let's stand to our feet. Pastor David, come up here and tell us what to do now. Do y'all receive that word today? Are y'all ready to grow? Are y'all ready to grow? Thank y'all for paying attention today. Pastor